0: Please hit like, share, and subscribe. Now enjoy the Practical Guitarist podcast.
1: Hello, Jim. Hello, David. We know what we're talking tonight, right? We we know what we're talking we're about.
0: Gonna, we're going to talk about money.
1: <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about yeah, we are going to talk about money. It's one of the things we're going to talk about. Um, and and value. I'm looking for my my blower here. I don't think I need it. I don't think there's something on the camera this time. It just looked like there might have been, but it's yeah, probably on my no. screen. I I haven't wiped down my monitors in in probably two weeks. So there's probably something on them. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So uh, since we didn't address this because some things were some things happened and we didn't get to record last week. Let's talk about the the uh, the golden elephant in the room.
0: Oh, yeah. So there's Pearl. Pearl is back. Um, So I did a separate video for those who want to check it out and podcast listeners, but haven't gone to YouTube um so i'll go a quick rundown uh, pearl was my number one from around 2016 to around 2018 um i played pearl almost exclusively while i was in a band called retrosonic and i love the guitar uh unfortunately i went through some things i did some stuff i went through some things um and i'm not proud of how i handled my feelings or my thoughts but um, I sold Pearl. I bought, if you remember, I bought a CE, and then I bought some other stuff, and that was that was a move in the downward direction. You sure went, yeah, you went,
1: that. you went through some some weird changes there, and it was pretty yep. obvious to me. I was like, I, if you recall, and I believe it's on an episode where I was like, the hell is that? And then you're like, oh, it's a PRC, and I'm like, why mm-hmm. did you do that? And that was about the same time that you sold your DSL to get
0: the
1: um, yep. using Ketner and all yep. that stuff too. So.
0: What, so so many things, and never was I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy, but it was reasons that weren't related to music, and I needed to be able to sort those things, and I didn't. Um, Anyway, I was at Guitar Center um, the other day, a few days ago now, and Pearl was hanging on the shelf, uh, or hanging from the wall. And I said, Is that the same one? So I took a picture of the, the serial number, came home. Verified it and you said, What are you waiting for? That was you that said, Mr. Practical, um, why are you not out there and all re- having already bought it? And I said, uh, Well, you know, I've already got a number one right there, my amber one. And I love that amber one. I really do. I, and you said, No, you love that guitar. Go get it.
1: Doesn't matter. Sell you the love DC. The amber one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Go get
1: it. I don't even think we talked and, about the DC on the show yet. I oh, know we made. No. I think we didn't. No, I think we.
0: No, no, we, we didn't. didn't. We didn't have a chance. No. So I'll talk about that next. You said sell the red one. Go get that one. Yeah. And and I did, but I want to talk about the DC later because that really kind of falls into what we're all these guitars are going to fall into what we're talk we're going to talk about tonight. Um, at least some of it. And so what I did. Hold on, I got to be like, um, you know those people that that talk away from the camera it's like i'm talking to no one send me some Um,
1: snapshots i'll just i'll snap them over the episodes
0: fine that's douchey um but yeah and so um what i did was uh i said okay well i need to i need to be able to um get my guitar so i did i came up with some money and went and got it um not proud of what i had to do to get it but my lips are chapped (laughs) And, uh, I've got plenty of, uh, of Preparation H. Uh, so. Wow. um, No, but I, um, (laughs) no, but, uh, um, the, um, I'm glad to say that Pearl is home and, uh, is back with the family. Actually, she's with more family than she's ever been with. So. Um, back with the DSL, plugged into the DSL. Um, and then when I got it home, we'll, we'll talk a little bit. So when she came home, um, I plugged her in because I didn't have time. I went there. It was it was closing. I said, I just want to take it home. Just take it home. So I bought it and I took it home. Plugged her in. Fired up the DSL. Or actually, I fired up the Twin Reverb. Pulled and pushed all the knobs and nothing happened. No changes at all. And I was like, what the hell's going on? So I went and I opened it up, found an in the end of an input jack. Because when I went to plug it in, I was like, wow, this is hard to do. And then, beep. and then I heard like a jangle, like when you drop a pick into an acoustic. And I said, that's kind of weird. And come to find out, it was the very little tip of an input jack. Um... So apparently those do fall off. I mean not all the time, but they do fall yeah, off. Yeah,
1: those pl- those plugs are a lot of times and it depends on the on the uh the cable end, they do break.
0: Yeah, and of course probably the quality. Um, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speak to the quality of the cable because I don't know. But um we we
1: we ex- I I think you and I are both thinking the same thing. We suspect we know where that cable came from.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So- we do. And so I went back and I, you know, I brought her in and I said, look, this is what's going on. I pulled the cable. I still couldn't get any changes, but I did clean her out. I did, I did uh, use some uh, contact cleaner, which is down here. That's what I'm pointing down. Um, and now, it, and then the tech plugs it in and she's ringing like a bell. Everything's working fine. Pulling, pushing this pot, pushing it, pulling it, pushing it, pulling it, all four pots, all, all four connections. Um, turning the knobs, running everything, it's working fine. I'm like, okay, never mind. (laughs) Felt like a heel. Bring it home. So here's what happened. Uh somebody had bumped one of the knobs on my fender twin. And so all the tone that I should have expecting was gone. Because the twin wasn't set up correctly, not because of anything else.
1: And so that is the most hysterical part of this story. I actually did not know that until just now, and I'm about to. Use
0: yeah, that. I didn't. I haven't <laughs> shared that with anybody yet. So that you're the first. This is the first time that I'm sharing. It. <laughs> I didn't even tell them. I was like, I'm hey, not telling anybody. Hey, is, hey to your cre- to your credit,
1: I have had problems like that with my pedal board, where like a cable is like half out. Of something because of the way I grabbed it or whatever. And you're like, what the hell? What's broke? And you're tracing yeah. out all this stuff. And I did that for like 45 minutes the other day. Only to find out that my reverb pedal, the cable was half out. Oh, I was so mad. I was so mad. Yeah. I was like, what would I have done if that was a gig? So now the first thing I do when my pedal board doesn't work properly is to check all the cables. Just make sure they're all inserted.
0: Yeah. Well, she ran great. Um. So then, what I did actually it was it was the other way around. The tone was all the way up, and so what happened was there was nowhere to get out of it. You know what I mean? You couldn't roll it down. And Yeah, I couldn't roll it down. So it was the it was the bass tone, and you know how with bass tone offender, Fender, the last thing you need to do is turn it all the way up, <laughs> especially a closed back cabinet two by twelve. That was the last thing it needed, and so. Um I thought that was funny. i want to talk about that with a tone thing later um as we go into the episode i want to talk about the d c later as we go into the episode because the double cut as you can see right there
1: I just want to share a little bit of my of my story about the um the gold the golden sure. les ball so yeah. um it's not so the one he's got it's not a, a traditional gold top it's it's the the pearl and they only made like two hundred of them. Um, yeah, they the, the original the original run was supposed to be like 175, but they they made a few more, um, and I didn't know anything about these guitars until I saw yours, Jim, and so I was like, mm-hmm. oh, big deal, you know, whatever. I watched the the Greg Koch video and I'm like, these are unique. They don't sound the same as everything else. But I remember like when you were trying to get a Les Paul after you'd sold, I think you'd sold the CE already and you were trying to hunt one down, and you were working at Guitar Center and you you tried to hunt down the only other gold pearl Les Paul that was in their system. And you ordered it in and it had a big scratch in it, so you so you rejected it. Yep. And I remember that and I was like, that sucks. But I knew, dude, when you told me you found one, you sent me the pictures, I knew it was yours because I'm like, there's only 200 of them. How many yeah. more of them are, could there be in Virginia, in the Virginia Beach area? Like that Exactly. Was, there was no way in hell. So that's why I told you, I was like, Just go down and get it because you're going to regret it if you don't. And you were were freaking out about what was wrong with the guitar or whatever. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, they're minor problems. I'm like, you could pay to have it fixed. They're minor problems. I said, even if it sits in a case while you wait for it to get repaired for months, you'll, you'll, you will thank yourself later. And that's mostly because of my situation with this thing. So when I sold, um, when I sold this and I sold the big pedal board that this belonged on and I sold basically my soul to get a helix, um, I sold this guy because I was like, Oh, the helix already does this. And you'll notice I have the, the, um, the, uh, Moor button toppers on this, but, um, I sold that and I, I kicked myself like, six months down the road, not even a year down the road. Because I'm like, man, it would be really nice to go to a gig and not have to take the whole damn helix. And especially if I'm just you need know, an amp model, right? And that thing sounds so good that for like the entire time I, I ditched it, I was like, I was looking at the amp one and I was looking at all these other things. I'm like, I wonder if it'll sound like that. And it just dawned on me when it was like, I should have never sold that. And i and I've been I looked for like a year and you know, maybe I'll find one used. It. it's not going to be horribly expensive. That never yep. happened, so it ended up being me just like accepting that that it was gone. And then I reached out to the guy and I got it back. And I felt so fortunate, so lucky. Like that's probably outside of outside of um, the guitar that's sitting over there, which is my uh, my S five hundred. Outside of th- that guitar, like that's pro- this is probably my prized possession. Right? Maybe maybe my amp over that. But right. just because of the story that goes along with it, and the fact that like these are these are common. Not everybody no. and their mother has an ethos, you know. Um, That's right. Just because of what it is. I mean, it's a six hundred fifty dollar overdrive right pedal, um, which I know I talk about it every time it comes up. Oh, it's so expensive. It, it's it's that that is like the stupid part about it. People shouldn't own this thing. And here's my segue, Jim. So what we want to talk about tonight. Uh, at least my part of the show um, is really expensive stuff and the longevity of really expensive stuff in a market that's going to be changing probably this year. Yep. Um, so as you know, I think everybody, I think everybody who listens to the show probably also realizes that, you know, COVID is start, starting to wind down. Um, I don't want to belay or, or uh, signal the death knoll. We We don't know what's actually happening but we right. do know that people are getting vaccinated and we know that life is starting to return to normal for many folks. And it's going to start, it's going to start returning to normal for everybody. Um, right. I think I had not gotten my shot when we did the last episode that's, that's going to air this Wednesday, but I have right. now. And so have you, Jim. Um, I think you I'm my affect- right.
0: second shot Tuesday. Right. So by the time this actually about the time the episode airs, that you're putting out, I will have had my shot and I may or may not be convalescing. <laughs> right, right. I, I have been told to prepare to take a day off. So,
1: yeah. Um, so uh, the point is that with all of the things that have gone on with COVID, we've all got stimulus checks. Most of us, the vast majority of probably our listeners have, have received some sort of stimulus check along, along the path. Yep. And that prompted this gigantic boom in the industry. Now, even before COVID, the economy was doing pretty well. People had money. And so you could see companies releasing pedals and guitars that were getting increasingly more expensive. And not necessarily more expensive with a purpose. And I'm not just talking about boutique companies. I'm saying everybody was getting it on it. Um, like... Uh, was it uh, Headrush came out with their Looper board? It's yep. like eight or nine hundred dollars list. Um, I'm trying to think of what are the other what some of the other big ticket options from from like major companies have been, but like Boss just did the the Tone Bender, which was like three hundred and fifty bucks each. If you if you well, were lucky uh, enough to get one,
0: um, let's see, Line Six also uh, did the uh, the XL version of the. Uh, Stomp.
1: Yeah, the Stomp XL, right? which is like what is it? That think 750 bucks, I think, or $800. Yeah, like
0: almost eight hundred dollars or eight hundred dollars. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um even in the guitar, like the guitar focus side of it, like Squire's now pushing up into the five, six hundred dollar bracket. And uh now Fender has, you know, got some guitars that are above two thousand, which was something that hadn't happened when we started the show. Um uh, yep. PR- PRS horror models are now pushing thirty five hundred bucks. Uh, the yeah. only brand, ironically, that's actually kind of gone down in price has been Gibson, but they yeah. had a banner a year. They're selling out everywhere, which when you posted um, on your personal Facebook about their sale this week, I laughed. I go, <laughs> if, if my store had any in stock. Um, yeah, and that's the thing.
0: We've got five, six. You saw the picture. You can put anything um, on sale if you don't have any. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the thing. There, I get the feeling we're going to see a clear out for a reason. Um, that Guitar Center is also those who may be looking into the Helix. Um, I didn't share this. Guitar Center across the country are selling all of the, um, the display Helixes for like huge discounts. We're talking like a grand, and so it, you're talking about a six six hundred dollar discount. Um, yeah, that's, you know, summer, that's that's that summer, summer
1: summer release right?
0: coming up. That means that we're going to... I'm I'm pretty sure. And you can go into your guitar center, and even if they don't have one, they can source one. And as long as you're okay with a floor model, you can get one. Yeah. The, so, yeah. And I, remember this. Even if you buy a floor model, if there's something wrong with it, Line 6 will back it up. You will get a replacement, which means you might wind up with a brand new one, even if you do get a effed up floor model. I, so, I, I just
1: think it's wild, and it's interesting that that's happening because... We're getting close to the summer release season and it makes you wonder if there's not a new one coming. Yeah, um, that's what I'm thinking. I am not I do not have any insider knowledge. So just be very clear no. to our listeners. I'm not saying
0: he no, has a new typical, one coming out. Right, that's typical behavior is to do blowouts. Now, um the the Gibson blowout that is not just Gibson. That's no. across this is Guitarathon. They pick they pick colors. That may not be hugely popular. They pick, you know, Guitar Center does this, and there. This is what I will tell you, you being the customer. If you hear this before Guitarathon is done, these prices, I I know I have never told you what my my employee discounts are. These prices are really close to employee discount. They, these are really, really good prices when I'm looking at. Them. And that's across the board. That's Fender, Gibson, uh, D'Angelico, uh, ESP, LTD, Schechter, uh, right down to some of the picks and strings, man. This is Guitarathon is a great time to go get some great prices if if you're even looking. Right yeah now. yeah. I mean, but,
1: I would never encourage anybody to take advantage of a sale if you're not looking.
0: Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Don't go, yeah, don't go nuts because you're but the other side of it, and I want to get to what you were just talking about. Right now, you can buy a brand new Les Paul for less than what people are selling them used right now. That's that's stellar. I mean, you're talking a they, used what right is it? Now, what is the
1: standard going for?
0: Right now, a used standard, um uh, one of the new ones. It's going for anywhere between geez, some people are asking literally new price because nobody has Well, them, I'm just saying but a, a guitarathon what is it going for 1999 some of them yeah five hundred dollars literally five hundred dollars off to the penny yeah
1: $100. makes me wonder if they're not going to be launching a bunch of uh new new lessons well, only totally certain colors
0: it's like the, yeah I get the feeling we're gonna get some some colors at least maybe some uh because remember they wanted to stick to that I don't, I think they might get like maybe there'll be another burst um the bursts are very popular um maybe after people
1: saw my amber of course word, they're popular yeah of course they're popular you can you can't buy any others
0: <laughs> yeah well do you know what i yeah. mean and so <laughs> so yeah that's where we're we're headed in that that direction um uh like you said let me let you finish uh so you were talking about this Banner year. And I wanna I wanna dovetail off that when you get done. So yeah, so banner so year. We have
1: this banner year, we have um pr- prices creeping up on stuff. And we sort of know that this is all being driven by the fact that there was this COVID payout taxes, people have gas money that they're not spending right now, and that they're they're leveraging that against, you know, buying hobby stuff. And uh, yep. so so guitar took off last year, you couldn't get anything. I mean, I'm still waiting on my film board to show up. Um, and that's largely driven by some other things. But, but uh, you know, basically they were in demand. So at the end of all of this, like, I think we're going to have an economic downturn. And I want to try not to get into the, the super political side of this. But number one, we're all going to have to pay back taxes. It's going it's to happen. The money that we have been given out as part of our stimulus right it has to come from somewhere and uh i don't i don't foresee the government um doing a complete about face and taxing the rich to pay for the stimulus for everybody else um because they would be taxing themselves um and i my my biggest so that, that's only part of it. The, actually, the bigger concern I have is the housing market, right? So we know the housing market caused the downturn in 2009. If you can remember what the downturn in 2009 was like for the guitar industry, it was a wasteland. Everybody was buying cheap stuff. You couldn't afford to buy anything else. And uh, a lot of companies – so Gibson was the only one that did the opposite trajectory where they went up in price, but everybody else tried to stay the same. Nobody was trying to increase prices. Um, they actually almost the whole line, like uh, they, a lot of companies I can think of, kept their prices stable for about four years where they didn't have an increase at all. Um, so, the reason why I bring this up is because um, there's been all this rent abatement as part of COVID because people can't make their house payment and there's huge unemployment in major cities. So, there's this big fear, which I have, um, is that if the government doesn't do something about the rent abatement problem, i.e. I either help those people with their mortgage or what, we're going to end up in a real world of shit financially. We're going to have another 2009 on our hands. And the biggest concern that I have is that even if the government does do something like step in and say, okay, so you only had to pay 30% of what you owe, you're still going to have foreclosures. It just won't be as severe, but that means increased taxes for everybody. So there again, there's less money to spend on this kind of equipment. So therefore, the the gear industry is going to have to sh- change its focus. So I'm not I'm not saying that companies are going to go under some will I mean it, that that that's what happens um like I could see so Vemeram is the absolute worst example um for this but I will I will pick on Vemeram because we all know Vemeram makes really expensive stuff um so with the Vemeram Jan Ray I think it's what like 450 bucks for for an overdrive pedal um and I can't comment on whether it's good or bad, but I can tell you that's expensive. And I can tell you that uh, like the Ethos is expensive. And these are small shops. And they don't really offer inexpensive options. So if you go back to a marketplace where where brands like Keeley and Wampler are rocking the day because they're still sitting at 179 um, versus your $400 overdrive, it's going to be a really tough market for you to exist in. And... um, The companies that are like Vamoram that don't have that loyal fan base, like a Chase Bliss, for example, are really going to struggle to get by. Not everybody's going to come out of COVID ahead. Like, I've I've been fortunate enough to. Um, But I – so it's just a matter of, like, when are we going to pay it back and how does that happen Um, and how that affects our market. But I'm just concerned because we could have, like, some real economic fallout that hits these companies. Jim, you got – you said you wanted to dovetail into some stuff. I think that's a good place to do it.
0: Yeah, I mean obviously the the piper has to be paid. Um, and I wanted to dovetail this. So speaking to what you're talking about, even if let's let's not even worry let's not even in my portion of this discuss part that has to be paid out. Let's talk about this. So when when people are given a windfall of cash. And this last payment was incredible. I mean, let's mm. let's look at some of the numbers if you were a family of 2. I
1: can't remember the, uh, the government giving me like 4,000 bucks like they did this last time. That was pretty yeah. crazy.
0: It's crazy. So, um in in that, okay? Uh where had where a person gets that kind of money? We're seeing, because um, I know I see it myself on a daily basis on Twitter and Facebook, uh, is people sharing, look at my new insert, very expensive guitar here. And it's my first guitar. You know? Um, I saw
1: a guy in the Mesa Boogie owners group saying, I've never bought an amplifier before. Which Mesa
0: Boogie should I buy? Yep. Yep, and and hey, if you can afford to do that, that's fantastic. I mean, I mean here
1: here's the reality that though It's like, I have a feeling, and this is me being judgmental, but there's a lot of very poor financial planning going on.
0: <laughs> yeah, and um, some people, and I'm not gonna say that that these are the people to which we're referring, but some people. Do have a tendency to spend, um, more uh, than they should, and even though they got to even though they have like all this back stuff, when they get this windfall, they're like, yeah, that back stuff is going to be there tomorrow. I'm going to take this and I'm going to buy a boat, or I'm going to buy, you know, I'm going to buy a guitar and an amp. Well,
1: um, I, I've been vocal and, and willing to admit. I mean, I'm in debt. I have debt. I got my money. It went in the bank, and uh, it it did enable me to make some purchases this year, where I could do it not out of fear, because like I knew I had money to to back it up, but I was like, I I normally would not take those those positions because it was like, I don't know what's gonna happen, and I can't I can't risk anything right now. Um, yeah. The, and that and that's there's a lot to say for that, right? Like I'm sure other people had the similar situations happening where they were kinda of sitting there going, Well, I you know, I, I could buy that guitar. Like I actually have the the cash to do it, and then I've got the stimulus check that's going directly into savings as a pad. Or, you know and that's the way I looked at it was like, put it in my savings account and it could be rainy day money. If something happens, then I have money to fall back on. Um, which because I was concerned about my career this year. Um so, I, I get that, right? I mean, that's that. It is what it is. I people people make silly mistakes, and sometimes people make really informed ones, um, and that's fine. Um, actually, I think maybe an in, more interesting way to look at and think about it, Jim is talking about the used market. So, right now, because the demand is like through the roof for everything, and you can't get anything new. Um, I mean there's like a like a 25% chance that something you order right now is going to be out of stock. So I think a lot of people cuz cause there, cuz cause there's not a huge demand on the symmetry. People think, seem to think that like when you order a pedal from from uh, Sweetwater that they have 20 in stock. They might have 5 or 10. You know, or not not 200. Um and so they they sell through, right? And then you you order and they don't have it and then you're like, "Well, that's weird." um and in this case like that's created create a used market where it's a sellers market i mean i saw some guy selling a um a mark 535 for like 100 dollars under new and he got what he and he got what he wanted for it and i'm sitting there going what the hell world are we in right now um and it's that's it's, that's the fun money thing like
0: people are willing it, to it, do stupid
1: stuff like that that's
0: that it that speaks directly to a knee-jerk response of, I have money in my pocket. I need to spend it right now. Mm -hmm. And it speaks directly to what I was just saying, that um, there is no way to react for some people than to have, oh, I've got, say, $2,500, whatever, in my pocket right now, and that thing is $2,500. And I wanted to buy a new one. I can't. I'm going to buy that one. And I, I want to go. I want to go one step further. The fact that that one, that's twenty five hundred dollars, is on sale, speaks to also that person that got it what and all that they thought it was going to be, and put it on the market.
1: Um, or they or they've had it and they've seen the prices go up and they've seen what other people have gotten for it and they're like, It's a yep. lot of money sitting over in that corner. And I get so like for for my example, when I saw that, I was like, geez, I could sell my mark five twenty five and I could buy a new one, you know, when this is all over for basically the yeah. same amount of money I paid for it. And mine so like think about it from this perspective. Mine I paid I think thirteen fifty for it, and they're now seventeen fifty. So if I sold mine used right now and got sixteen for it, right? Then I get. Then I'm actually pocketing two hundred bucks. Yeah, and I could buy a new one. I'm at a couple hundred bucks, but at the end of the day, like I got my money out of this one. Do you know yeah. what? I, do you know what I mean? Like I do. It's I do. it's a strange situation to be in to think about that. But like yeah. that's 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 an issue right here. We're we're at the point where things are so inflated. That you can like cash out, and and pota- right. and potentially get into a situation where when you buy it back used later, you're gonna end up with more money.
0: Um, yeah, cash me outside. No, I mean no. You know, but <laughs> the fact is, when you look at it, um, uh, it's it's actually it's funny on one hand, and it's it's a little bit scary on the other because what's gonna happen, and it's eventually gonna happen. This is all going to crumble for at least a short time. And you have to ride it out. You being
1: the person. When when, when the Piper comes, that used
0: market is going to be peanuts. You That's will right, be able because to clean up. Because when the Piper comes calling, the people that bought stuff they really couldn't afford in the first place are going to dump those on the market so fast your head will spin. Well, and. That's going to drive prices of especially used gear. And when the prices of used gear goes like this, then the price of the new gear is either going to stay the same or possibly dip because what's got to happen is the new gear is going to do what it did before. It's going to sit because there's all this used stuff. That a lot of it is really not used. It's just something somebody got right. at a whim and it went past the 45-day return policy. And and actually so
1: there's a couple, of, couple other points I wanted to make off this and this is just about the economics of the used market and what I've seen in my lifetime. So I can remember when people were like pensive about eBay and selling equipment like gear on eBay and I was in high school when all this was going on so um, I didn't buy anything off eBay because I didn't have a credit card. Um, But I can remember, like, surfing eBay and looking at gear and seeing the prices be, like, way lower percentage-wise than, than they are now. Which is, like, when you when somebody and, – and I have people – obviously, we've talked about Strymon on the show before. Strymon is the, the biggest culprit for, for this. But Strymon is the hype brand, okay? Yep. Whether you like Strymon or not makes no difference. There's so much hype behind this, guys. Even if you put up a Strymon pedal that's been through a war, and you're not really even sure it's going to work, you're going to get like 5 or $10 under new for it. And that's just absolutely psychotic. Um, and I've seen, I, I, people won't even list it for less than that. And and they don't want to even put, make an offer on it. I mean, it's like, and it's, I call this the reverb effect. So when Reverb happened and there was like a centralized shopping experience with low cost, and low fees, it created a really dynamic market that was very, very much based on supply and demand, which before when you were buying from mom and pops, wasn't supply and demand. It was, what did I see? What did I run into? Right? It was, and it's like, well, what am I willing to, willing to pay for that? So it was a little less, um, a little less aggressive, I want to say, unless it was something like a 59 last Paul, but I mean, like- you know, a standard strat that was bought like three years ago could have been purchased for a decent amount of money. I bought an American Standard Strat for 450 bucks. I mean, I know other people who bought American Standards for $350, 400 450 bucks all day long when they were. And at that time, they were only $800 new. Um, so that's 50%. You can't touch anything for 50% of, of new anymore. Nothing. And that is probably, like, that's a really good example because that's a common item. Like, that's something you would think. 50% of new would be normal, but no. I mean, an American-made Stratocaster, and I say American-made because people know which models those are. I don't. I don't pay attention to them. Um, But you you go look right now, and I think, what, they're, what, 1,200 now, I think, Jim, for the the American-made model? And I, I guarantee you, before COVID, they were a 1000 bucks, used. $200 under new. Why? Because demand is up. And people can watch the market on Reverb. They can trace it. It's not like eBay, where if your search terms are wrong, you're going to pull in a bunch of other, other crap. Um, and once people have visibility to that market, I mean, the fact that Guitar Center and your local mom and pops use eBay and Reverb as a way to price gear, they look at the sold listings, should tell you. Um, that's kind of messed up. Because it created this market, this stock market for used gear. It's not really what it's worth anymore. It's what no. somebody... And, and, and I know people say well, well, something's worth what somebody's willing to pay. And that's yep. true. But the fact is, you've now got an audience so there's a lot more people willing to pay a lot more. Um, and it kind of sucks. Like, it sucks for the consumer. It doesn't suck if you're the seller, obviously. But it sucks because for, for people getting into the instrument, that, that used to be a way to get good gear. And now it's like, I mean, I honestly, so I still kind of err on the side of buying used gear because I think I think there's a better value there, but as a as a you know, a player who knows what I want, there ain't much I can get used that's gonna fit my needs. So I end up buying new, I take I pay the new tax. It sucks. Yeah. And I and I hate it, but I do it.
0: Um I Yeah, we talked about this before. I mean, when you get to the point that we we discussed what was it two years ago or a year and a half ago. We had the same discussion. And the fact is that when we had this discussion, we were like, buy used, you'll save a ton of money. You'll save thirty, forty percent. <laughs> Jim, how many uh, how many used guitars have you bought
1: back there? I think one. <laughs> two? That one. Yeah. Well, that one, yeah. My my one back. <laughs> yeah. Well, you the other one doesn't count because you bought it twice. Right. And has so, it occurred to and, you that you paid like like six thousand dollars for that
0: guitar over the time you owned it? I paid more than it's more <laughs> than the value, double the value that I should, but not not the, but yeah, more than I should have, a lot more, because I purchased it twice. Not, remember, never mind the men, well, the never iron. mind the mental anguish. That's the part that hurts. <laughs> That's the part that hurts the most. There's that song by. Uh, uh, Rascal flats, what hurts the most. That's the what hurts the most. Uh, but yeah, not a serious note. That's um, you know, uh that's beside the point. Um, although I don't want it to be beside the point. But I can say this, that guitar right there, that's that I'm pointing to. Mm-hmm. The the used prices have already just in the last couple of weeks, because you and I were looking at actual sales, if you look at that. That number, it is spiking hard to the up. Yeah. And and I already paid well under
1: what the number was at. But it's not going to stay that way. And that's the point of this whole no. conversation is that because the economy is going to change, the uh the rug is about to be pulled up from under a lot of these buyers. So if you're listening to the show, unless you absolutely need something, I wouldn't be buying crap on Reverb right now. I would be I would be doing what I call turtling. I would keep my money very, very close to my pocket. Yep. And be like, nope, wait six weeks, wait eight weeks, yep. wait twelve weeks. It's not gonna take very long. Yep. Um once life has kind of like flipped towards the post COVID thing where it's like, what do we do with the housing market? You know, how do we deal with the fact that the government's now another, you know, twenty trillion dollars in debt or whatever it's gonna wind up being after all the stimulus and stuff? Um, that's when you wanna be like, Okay, now I'll play ball because they're gonna be people like I gotta make a house payment. I gotta, you yeah. know, do X, Y, and Z. That's, that's, right. that's when it's and time there, to throw your money at it.
0: And then it's going to be the buyer's market because at that point, um, if I've got to make my house payment, I got to make it by the fifth of the month, right? Mm-hmm. And so, the the magic dates to buy are going to be the between the first, well, between the twenty eighth probably or so, and the fifth or the third fourth of the month because they want to get their money in the bank. They're going to want to. They're going to want to close that transaction, get that money into their account before the 5th, before they get hit with a late, a late charge and the other stuff.
1: Well, that, the, house pay, the house payment idea is one thing, but I'm just saying like that's when they have to pay the fiddler. And yeah. um, I, I think that the, the market's going to drop significantly. So I think even things like you could see current Les Paul standards, they're $2,500 new, uh, $2,450, I think. Um, they're $2,450 yep. new if you pay retail. And yep. I suspect you will see them south of 1700 used by by um, middle of next year. You know, I would gonna, not be surprised. It, and I don't think things are going to come back up very quickly either. Uh, a lot of that. That's what people don't understand is a lot of the big ticket sales over the last two years have been people who've never bought a guitar. I mean, they're not going to keep it when they realize I don't really play that. And it's sitting in the corner collecting dust. Um, we've never had a situation like the lockdown driving the market like this. It's going to be wild. I'm telling you. Um, just hold tight. Wait a couple weeks, a couple months. Don't overpay for things. I, I, I wouldn't buy Strymon. I wouldn't buy anything. I saw somebody list a Prince of Tone. The Prince of Tone is an imported pedal by Analog Man. Um, he has them made overseas, imported to the United States. It's, it's like 200 bucks, and it's basically one half of a King of Tone. I saw a Prince of Tone, which by the way, you can still get those. I saw one on Reverb for $900, and they weren't joking. And I kind of sat there and I go, "How dumb do you think people are? But then I thought about it. In this
0: economy, maybe they're backlisted. Maybe they're backordered. You know, well, look, looking right now, I just I just did a quick cursory search for the uh, 60s standards that are on, that are on the market um, on Reverb right now. All right? Um, and, of course, you and I both know you can look for the, the chart of actual sales. Right. Um, but the, the asking prices are close to the new prices. Mm-hmm. um some of them over the new prices an unburst for 2800 plus if i add shipping to any one of those we're already over new price and that's the other part of it that that you know um you got to take into account is that number now it, you know i'm not saying that they sell for that but on uh 416 an excellent Um, Les Paul Standard sold for $2,949. That is $500 over over your regular old price. You can walk into a guitar center that you can call your... You don't even have to call your Sweetwater Rep. ZZ Sounds. uh, Pick your poison as far as uh, guitar sellers. And you can do better than that. That's what's incredible. I can't can't fathom those numbers that are being paid. Yeah. So well I you know
1: it's just it, it, listen uh, it, I I'm sitting on what I have right now. Now I have a guitar that's on the wall here it's going to get sold in the next couple weeks. Um but I'm I'm kind of just sitting here and I'm like I, I I felt obligated to tell my wife, you know, I was like I'm selling that, I don't know what I'm going to do with the money. And I said I I'm planning to buy another guitar later this year. So probably just going to put the money away you know in the side right. drawer um i'm not going to get a ton out of it and i actually don't really care i just don't want it around anymore like it's taking up space and quite frankly i'm not playing it so um mm-hmm. but anyway i'm i'm kind of of that ilk right now where it's just like eh, get it out of here and i'm mm-hmm. not really concerned about it right now is a good time to sell uh so if you are selling something I I yeah. just like – I don't want to be the guy that I, – I feel bad because I'm like being the guy that's giving our, custom, or our customers <laughs> – our listeners advice um, and being a jerk to the buyers or to the sellers. But I also feel like, you know, we're in a situation where people should all be sort of pensive. And if you're not, yep. then, you know, maybe I'll be the voice of reason for you.
0: Well, you know, I, again – so let's talk about the double cut that I purchased. So I was on Facebook Marketplace and I saw the double cut. And uh a friend of mine had bought one long before the COVID thing. And he got his, his is Amber, mine is red. Um, similar year, similar design. Um, he got his uh for um about what I paid. And so, um, I was like, okay, that's a reasonable price. That price that person was asking for mine was in the ballpark. As a matter of fact, my friend paid a little bit more, but he's got the gold hardware version. Mine's the chrome. With he version. also
1: has the gold hardware. He also has binding on the neck.
0: Yeah, and he's got binding on the neck. And I don't. So, um, you know, we uh, I called him, and I called uh, uh, I talked to you i talked to him and i talked to um robert jackson and uh i talked to all three and i said uh okay that's a reasonable price so it's it's not terrible it's not great robert told me he goes jim that's on the low side of the you know of the market and uh you know so even if things go south i'll be okay to be able to get my money back out of it if i have to And so I felt comfortable there. And that's the thing, same with when I bought, just bought the Les Paul back. I'm comfortable with what I paid because if I absolutely have to, if I've got to, I will sell my guitar before I lose my home, right? I mean, I think think anyone here with common sense would do the same thing. Yeah.
1: I mean, we're realists. We sort of understand that there's intrinsic value to this stuff. (laughs) Right
0: somebody asked me the other day and he said, all right, if you got two guitar or if you got one guitar, this is what's funny. They said, "If you got one guitar that you could take out of the house. It's it one house on fire. Which one is it? And I said, um, it's both of these. Cause I've got two hands. <laughs> both. my Paul's Uh, neither
1: because I would be more worried about getting my family out of the house. And then I will call the insurance company.
0: Oh, Kyle can get out of the house. He's next to the front door. He's already left by the time I get out. Um, when you come down to visit, you'll see what I mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, just... hell, if you get a fire, honest, you could
1: probably just open a window. I mean, and then, and <laughs> that's what i <I'm> was going to say. <laughs> like, and, and my
0: house is only like right off the ground. It's, it's like, like no isolated rooms. Around. You know, you, you <laughs> get incredible hulk your way out of it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what's funny. Um, there's one isolated room. I'm in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you want to
1: burn down Jim's house that while the show is being recorded, would probably be yeah, the best time. That's the time best time.
0: That. That's the best time so that uh, you get me. Cause I literally can't get out except that door. Mm-hmm. It would take, it would take sledgehammers and, and pickaxes to get me out any other way, literally. Um, but, uh, anyway, on a, on a reasonable and side note. So I want to talk then about the other side of it. So we've got this, this rush, right. Of, of, people buying expensive gear the expensive gear is going uh people showing off prs's people showing off uh expensive custom shop uh um fenders um making making future purchases that they can't even get yet some of them um fenders got the uh what what do they call it the mojo shop or the Oh, mod shop,
1: mod oh the
0: shop mod shop, yeah. Mod shop's back up and running. I keep forgetting
1: they're, that they're actually still doing that.
0: I know. Well, it's like an 18-month to two, 18 month to two-year rate. Yeah, and,
1: and not only that, a, but like they don't even have
0: all their parts available. Hey, they'll take your money. Oh, yeah, I know. They'll take your money. up for They've been them. doing
1: it for a long time. They're one of the greatest lifestyle brands on Earth.
0: Mm-hmm. Doing a great job of it. So... <laughs> And I, I say that with the utmost of uh, whatever. It, so, <laughs> um, but it is the only way for you to get like, I don't know why they do this. They're like, they'll have a color and they'll go, okay, we've got the, you know, we've got this, the Ultra. Well, let's use the the Ultra as an example. The Mocha Burst was only available with that neck. You can't get it on a Rosebud neck. But if you went to the mod shop, paid the exact same amount of money, you could get it with a ro- with the uh, rosewood neck. But anyway, so um, I guess they figured that those colors didn't go together. I'm not sure what was going on. Some some guy bought the parts. He literally bought the parts. He didn't get the case. Mm-hmm. And he saved a ton of money by just buying a body mm-hmm. and a neck. And he put them together. Oh, people do that all and the time. And the bodies have to... People free- do it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Saved a ton of money. Yeah.
1: So... so- the mod shop, what we're talking about for a second. Um, just yeah, to, yeah. Just, just to interject. The mod shop is hilarious. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it's hilarious because, like I said, it's ordered all hell. Um, and Fender, actually, because of the way the guitars are assembled, I'm not even sure why they offer real models. Because other than having Mexican versus American production and you know import production whatever you want to call it because they do Japanese as well um i why not just say we're doing this new neck and the, and the signature becomes the neck and not the whole guitar and you could put that neck on any fender body like huh. it, it, why don't they just sell legos like what the hell at this point they could make a lot of money doing that being a warm off but except that they do the assembly too
0: yeah yeah i you know what? It, it it goes right over my head when it comes to... That. I've said that before. When we had the Fender versus Gibson uh, discussion, I said a million times, Fender is a Lego. It's Gib- a Lego. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's great. Gibson can't do that because of the nope. way
1: that their guitars are assembled. Like right. everything is like an independent part thing. Like the the neck tenon on the SG is different than the neck tenon on the Les Paul, which is different than the neck yep. tenon on a 335. And then, of yep. course, they have the hollow bodies. So Gibson can't do that. But Fender, I mean, you can literally take a Stratnack and put it on a Telecaster. I mean, yeah. it's, like, it's like no other thing where, fine. I mean, they could do what Kiesel does. I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's where I'm like, seems a little weird to me. Um, and they yeah. would rather invest hey. in something like the than just, you know, open up their whole parts line and be like, just come in. Come down to the come down the California Custom Shop. Walk through, pick out your neck, pick out your body, put them together. Uh, we'll do the wiring.
0: Take it home. Yep. Hey, we've got a uh, um, you know a new neck. I mean, yeah, you want to roast? It, you want to roast? It. I I've thought about getting a roasted maple neck. You know, as a as a second neck. I mean, you know, it does cross my mind because. That's what that guy, that guy did. He bought a roasted maple. He was like, I, I don't want a rosewood neck. I want a maple neck. And if I'm going to buy a maple neck, may as well get the roasted maple, make it look cool. He did. Well, yeah, it's
1: not about the look. It's about stability. But for some people, it's about the look.
0: Well, I mean, yeah. But I mean, he didn't want the the other. He wanted a maple neck and he figured, well, why not get a roasted maple? That's that's a better Neck, then well for him at least, then a regular maple neck is what he was thinking. So yeah, and and anyway, so I want to go. I want to go to the other side of this, and that's that's the the inexpensive guitar ma- market. I mean, if you're uh, the kind of person who buys the inexpensive guitars, you know you can't get your hand on a Firefly. Matter of fact, if you if you search Firefly guitars on Amazon, you won't find them. They won't even show them to you as a, as a, well, we don't have any anymore, unless you have a link to the actual one product that's been shared, like from guitar max or something. Yeah, You can't even look at the, you can't even search the page. Um, You could Google it, but I'm just saying, so, so there are plenty of pop-up uh, companies that do the same thing that are showing up. Uh, I was listing uh, today Grote and uh, one called Best Value. I mean, it's something H- hard some luck name. King, like, hard
1: luck, Hard Luck Kings. Is hard one Luck of them.
0: Kings is one of them. Um, oh, Hard Luck, so, King, Hard Luck Kings is
1: hilarious. So, as you're talking about these brands, like some of them, some of them are what you say they spec the guitar. And then there's Hard Luck Kings who buys the scraps. That's it. And then says they're a model, like the stuff that the because it's like. When you order from these Chinese companies, you can spec something, or you can like look through a catalog and pick out what you want, and that's yep. what Hard Luck Kings does. They go, "Oh, that's cheap. Let's do that one."
0: Yep. And well, I mean, come on. If you're if you're ordering through Amazon, no offense to to someone who has lucked out and got a decent guitar because it does happen. Um, there the expectation. That, that one would say that hey I got a great guitar for a hundred and a half from so and so that isn't a Lego I'm just I, I'm s I'm still skeptical. I'm still very skeptical. Listen, listen, we bought the Shengze.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um here's here's the deal. Here's here's my hot take on this. You wouldn't buy a guitar from Walmart. So why would you buy one from Amazon?
0: Right. That's,
1: yeah, I, I know there are people that are gonna throw up a, a throw a fit in the comments and be like, "This isn't Amazon, I I or this isn't Walmart." I would buy one from Walmart or you know whatever. Like if you're if you're buying your guitars from Walmart, more power to you. But you're nuts. I I I'll call you. I'll call it like I see it. Um, I wouldn't buy a trumpet from Walmart. Why would I buy a guitar from Walmart? I think, you know, <laughs> as we go down this rabbit hole, you'll start to see where I'm going with this. You wouldn't buy a tuba from Walmart. You know? There are
0: dog treats I won't
1: buy from Walmart. Yeah. I'll just let you know. Man. Like, like let's let's be real here for a minute. Um, <laughs> Amazon isn't much different. Now, they have right. main brand stuffed on Amazon. Like you can go and you can get Wompler pedals and that kind of stuff. Um, but when when Amazon does their own brand, Firefly is not their own brand I think it's I think it's an offshoot but that's basically what that is I mean Firefly isn't being sold anywhere else the other company that comes to mind um, I just want to mention briefly is uh, Sawtooth Guitars and uh, we had we had um, Michael Angelpedia on the show I don't know what happened to his deal with um, Dean obviously went south he's selling Sawtooth Guitars now it's an Amazon brand can you say go on Jim
0: yeah, yeah. Um, I'd love to be able to pick his brain on that. Um, so, uh, yeah, to to your point and probably to mine, um, I would hope to mine, uh, is okay. So you mentioned Sawtooth. Um, we we mentioned Grote. We mentioned Firefly. This is this is what I've got to say about it. Is what I've got to say about it. I understand that not everybody has the expectation to buy a guitar that is top shelf or even middle shelf. If you're buying a guitar, you're just learning to play and you wanna to learn to play and everything else. I mean, I don't see any problem with buying a hundred and a half dollar guitar. But the the expectation is not you, the buyer. It's not you, the listener. It is, in my uh, my personal opinion, it's irresponsible of some of the YouTube channels to tout stuff that May not even we don't even know if we'll ever see a firefly again, and because right now, Amazon is not saying it's coming soon. Amazon is saying we may never get them again. Yeah, and that's what you get when you go to link directly. It's not it, it is we do not know when or if these will ever be put in stock, or if that is in there. That's very rare you see that in there in their writing. Well, the other
1: the other mindset issue here is like I don't understand the buyer. Like I I, I understand the seller. Um, they see a hole that they're going to fill with you know their product, um, and they're fine with you know selling a product that is either standard or below standard depending on how you look at it. Um, I just wondered like the buyer. So is it always? Because I know it's not. Like I'm I'm playing devil's advocate. That the it always seems like oh it's a beginner thing like this is for beginners this is for beginners, but I never see beginners buying that stuff. You don't know see beginners buying. You see beginners buying Squires. Okay, they they know enough. They ask their buddy. There's enough guitar players out there. Everybody knows somebody who plays guitar. What should I buy? And then they say go buy a Squire, or go buy a Epiphone, mm-hmm. or uh, if you're really lucky and you have a nice buddy, he says go buy a PRSSE. Um, right. And then they go down to the store, and that's what they end up with. They talk to the guitar center guy and he sends on with a strat pack or you know, or an individualized squire package um yep. that he put together at the store. And it's like Firefly and Groat and um Hardluck Kings and all these other companies are like making the sales pitch that, well, it's just cheaper to go through us, and we're getting them from the same place, which isn't true because they're not buying it from Core Tech. Um, and all these different things. And it's, I think it's disingenuous. But from the, from the seller, from the buyer perspective, like the people that are buying those guitars, they have a couple already. Most of them have a couple already. Like, and it's not like they have nice guitars usually either. It's like they might have a Squire and then they have like four hard left Kings guitars. Or they might have like, they might even have a Fender. And then they've got, like, you know, a Hard Luck Kings 335 copy or something. And then, like, um, you know, oh, no, I actually was thinking about Firefly. And then, like, a Sawtooth Strat. And it's, like, I'm not mad. I don't care. Like, I'm not the guy that's going to sit here. I know we've talked about this on the show before. I'm not the guy that's going to sit here and tell you you should buy 20 guitars or you should just have two nice ones. I get by with two nice ones. That's my preference. But, yeah. There's definitely people out there that are like, I want to have a wall full of guitars. And they buy, you know, Fireflies and they buy, you know, cheap,
0: cheap, the cheap Epiphones, and they and they fill a room with them. Um and I yep. And I and and I've noticed that a lot of folks, at least where I meet those folks, is they're in groups where it's a learner's group, like guitar zoom community or whatever. So what they're what they do is this. Oh, oh, gas hit me again. Gas hit me again. But that's the same person that then is in there. I can't, I can't make a G chord. <laughs> it's mean, it's the, like it's the people that like buy
1: gear to make up for the fact that they haven't learned how to play. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's by and large, I would say that's pretty much the example. There are definitely exceptions to that example, but yeah. I think for the most part, like. When you run into the guy that's got twenty five guitars at under a hundred bucks a piece bought on Amazon, he's probably not a great player. Or or he's buying them for wood and he's like completely gutting them. And maybe right. even planing that, the necks and ripping the frets out and Because i 'cause I've yeah. I've run into people that do that kind of stuff too. Where that's they'll buy wire exactly and
0: just strip it bare and like start over. Right. Like my uncle used to do in the seventies. So he would buy um 57 Chevys and uh, you know that type of thing and he would strip them down he would redo everything and redo he would re um, these trucks and cars and then he would sell them at ridiculous prices by the way but the time and the energy and the money he spent on that thing you'd think wow well, he must have been making money not really because no, it takes crazy. so much effort It's just a labor of now, love for sure <laughs> Right. And and I, I believe because I've thought about it. I have thought very long and hard. Matter of fact, my PRSSE is is my I hate to say it, that's my kit guitar. <laughs> it's my one. Cause um that's getting um, as you know, I've uh talked to Nick Bongers, he's um wiring me some uh pickups. Um Nick and I are gonna do a little bit of a trade. I gotta give him some money. Uh um, look, we're shilling. We're shilling. No, he doesn't actually use. He just gives us pickups to give away to you guys, so yeah. Because believe me, we don't get anything for free. And I'm paying full price, um, and uh, but I'm giving him an item he wants. I'm fi- um, I'm fine well. paying full. I I actually tip
1: yeah. Nick when he when he I makes me no stuff. I, I send him tips now
0: because yeah. yeah, he no takes problem. care of me. So getting stuff from him, yeah. And I figured that was the. Pr- at first, I was <laughs> going to buy a, a set of Duncan Antiquities, and I looked at the price tag and I said, "What a waste like a of minute. money." That's ridiculous. Let, okay. I could probably do a all lot right, better. Right, all right. Let me, let me, let's, let me down. Yeah, we're going to go into an advertisement yeah. right now.
1: Let's, <laughs> let's stop for a second. No, yeah. this isn't even just an advertisement, right? Like, you know, we, we, Nick has been a proud person in the Facebook group and like been responsible Absolutely. for being on the show multiple times and everything. Yep. Let me, let me, I want to talk about Seymour Duncan lately. Uh, antiquities. And, like, the whole, like, above the normal standard line of pickups, the Zephyrs in there, and, um... Are you effing nuts? Like, what are people thinking? Um... You can find people like Nick that exist. Uh, Mm -hmm. They do exist. I've been hanging around with Nick for a while now. Um, and I can say that, like, you can find people that wind you pickups. For the same amount of money. And they will be exactly what you want. Whereas you're going to buy this cookie cutter thing. And hope it works out for you. And in the case of antiquities. I'm not really sure why this
0: is damn expensive. It, it, it's not rocket science. I mean. Yeah they're just Aldeco 5 PAFs. If you've ever said.
1: The- so, in, in, so Jim. When you sit down with somebody. And you actually make a set of pickups. And there's labor involved. It takes about two hours. Right, yeah, but like t- the difference between antiquities, at least in my mind, and the pickups that like I've seen made, is like an extra five minutes worth of work and it costs an extra hundred dollars.
0: you're yeah, freaking out of your mind, yeah, now that's where it hit me. I said, you know what, um, and I'm just doing this for for our listeners. I said, all right, I'm looking for a set of pickups for it because I don't like the PRS pickups that are in it. Now you know that I liked the S fifteen the five fifteen S's that I had before. What are
1: what are in these
0: eighty five fifteen S's. It's the same thing. But I think these ta- are I think just... your
1: tastes have just changed.
0: Yeah I, I it I... may be because they feel muddy and, and lifeless. They Remember feel... you
1: also had a different amp when you had those last eighty five fifteen. I did
0: I had the uh I had the um uh the floor amp, the um blue. Well you did the
1: uh you did you did a shootout. That shootout, a shootout was on the blue, and yep, you can that hear, was on the blue guitar. You can hear, um, in that shootout how different the PRS, SC pickups were. So yeah. I mean, that's why I'm like, I get it. I it's just I think you just you've just fallen out of favor with it because you want something that's a little bit more open sounding. Because the PRS yeah. pickups tend to be a bit bit tighter voiced. They're yeah. not as open. They're not scatter. No. They don't seem scatter well. They don't see. They seem very focused.
0: Right. Right, which is which has got its place. Sure. If I was playing playing Jazz really heavy heavy or, or like up, yeah. yep. where I was really rolling back off on the tone knob, or where I scooped all my mids out, that type Are of they, thing. Do
1: you, do you would you say that they they have more top end than your uh, less ball pickups?
0: More sparkle? None, none, no. no I would say that they lack sparkle completely. Okay, seriously. I can roll it all in. I can even pull out the thing and go to single coil. What's your pickup height on there look like?
1: Because I'm, I'm wondering if your pickups are low.
0: That's a possibility. Yeah, you might, might want to. You'll still get better pickups. If pick, I them. You'll still yeah. get
1: better pickups going from Nick, but that would be interesting to just tweak it and see what the difference is.
0: Yeah, I could do that because I have no problem doing it because I'm going to have to reset it anyway when I get Nick's in. Um, but... Uh, what's going on with it? To be honest with you, is just that I, I find it dull and lifeless, and very little high end. Um, and they're they're hot enough, and it, that's why I would didn't think well they're 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 punchy enough. So I, I didn't think height was really that much. I didn't think to to raise them at all. But well, um,
1: you're also playing a strat now part of the time, and yeah. you want to talk about high end pickups. I mean, I know people like, oh, Telecasters have way more high in the Strat. No. Strat pickups are, they're basically glass. It's like yeah. playing glass.
0: <laughs> yep. And you know Pearl. I mean, Pearl has a nice... Yeah, it's a glass got, of sound.
1: Yeah. It's a more top-end yeah. focused less Paul thing.
0: Yep. And uh, so I really like that tone. Um, so the truth of the matter is... The only one that's got like a jazzier tone that I really enjoy is the 335. Which, but when I play the 335, that's what I want. Yeah, yeah that's, that's to be
1: expected. I'm, I mean, that's uh, what the 335 is for.
0: Yeah, that's what I <laughs> pulled it down for, and that's what I bought it for, and that's what I expect from it. Um, so those T-top pickups work for that. Um, but anyway, so so uh, yeah, for, for our listeners, I think the most important thing is that if you are going to get new pickups, and it doesn't have to be Nick. I mean, we're recommending Nick because he's a yeah, friend of the channel. He's and he's but, done work for for you know
1: everybody we know at this point. And right. everything I've ever seen from him has been stellar. Uh, right. I don't I don't promote everybody. I mean, I got Gino guitars. I wouldn't tell you to buy Gino right now. I'll be honest with you. I think Gino right now is making a lot of mistakes.
0: Um, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, even some of the big fans of G- yourself included in that group um are, are saying things about GNL they're like, yeah, you might want to hold off for a little while. Um but uh let me get back to Nick here and that is that with Nick you can call him or email him or message him in Facebook. Yeah. He's still small enough. He's not a loller. Um he'll talk to you. And so he will talk directly to you and he will ask you what is it you're looking for and as long as you know what you're looking for yeah this is the problem this is where it gets tricky you have to know what you want yeah it, 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 um you're in you're in uh customer service as well as i am and so far as software goes so you know exactly what i'm about <laughs> to say
1: i hate to admit it but yes
0: sometimes the customer does not know what they want nope so you have to so tell them I, I cannot tell you, I, so I'm in software release management, right? Okay, so I cannot tell you how many deployments I do a week that are just because the user said they wanted something they didn't want and didn't know how to clearly specify what it was they were looking for. Now, if you went to Nick and said, I, I've got an SG and I want it to sound like, um, like Angus Young on Highway to Hell, that I'm sure he could he could say oh yeah yeah, okay. yeah I've ordered pickles from him that way yeah I got that the
1: one in my shing I told him I said I want Jimmy Page yeah same. and I got Jimmy Page and that's
0: what you got you got Jimmy Page with a warp neck I mean that's not that's warped the- it's not warped <laughs> okay it did it's not warped okay no no yeah I thought it was but
1: good. um one twist rod tweak and it doesn't Boom. appear to be warped. You're it sucks
0: but it's not warped <laughs> that's good. I mean, the other part's bad, but that's good. I mean, and I'm looking at... I've been thinking very hard about it, but I, the, I need another Les Paul, like I need a hole in the head. But, uh, yes. Um, and that's why I'm not doing it. But I'm thinking I might do that with a Telecaster. I might get a Telecaster and just mod it to an inch of its life. I mean, but I'm going to wait until this whole COVID thing is done. And just like we were talking about earlier, I'm going to wait until I can pick up a freaking Fender um, Telecaster online for 75 bucks and then mod it to an inch of his life. I, I just watched um a video. This is a little bit of a segue, but it, it brings us to where we are now. So there's a there's a all female uh surf band from Canada called the Suffragettes. Surf jets. jets. Yeah, yeah you've, jets. you've heard of them too, right? Um very good. They're very they're very good. I I I had heard them before.
1: I heard about them through Graham um, Burke.
0: Yeah, I heard them before I'd seen, you know, they pop up in my feed every now and again. I'll listen to them because I do like, I like the Ventures. That's probably why I like the Ventures and the Beach Boys and the, and the Janadine thing and all that stuff. So I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of in tune with that. I grew up with it. So, um, they had a cover of "Walk Don't Run," and then the next video that was recommended. And sometimes this happens to me because I'm driving down the road. I've got my, my, my <laughs> i iPhone. I was telling David, "I know," where and this I'm is going. like, oh, "I can't, I can't stop it." So it just goes to the next video, right? And and it goes into this thing, and the the girl from the Surfer Jets, um, the 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 blonde. Guitar player. They you can't call one a lead one rhythm, which I really like about them because they both take turns even in the same songs. I'll go back and forth and lead rhythm with, which was kind of ve- very ventures-like in the way that they do things. Mm-hmm. So um the blonde girl um is talking about her guitar that she has that was a fender jaguar, I think. And it doesn't matter because what she did was she took she bought a jaguar that was a stock red squire jaguar off the off of craig's List. and she talks about how she shouldn't have gone to the person's place she was like yeah i went to this person's house and we went down to his basement i was like whoa <laughs> she goes yeah i don't recommend it but she did have a friend and they, you know he did it safely but anyway so she brings this guitar home and she's got a picture of it all torn to pieces so she removed the the hardware is all new she got um uh Mastery
1: Bridge and all that. I'm sure.
0: Mastery Bridge foil pickups from some guy that's uh, Corey or uh, McNelly. No, no, it would have uh, that. I would have. But anyway, got foil pickups um, that have like a mustache. They're called mustache foil pickups. They they're really cool looking. And she had it painted. And this is where I was like, oh, you know, ever thought of? I knew that they used Dupont paints in fenders. Yeah, they were in the they day. Were, they were car colors. Yeah. She took it to a car guy, and had which was a friend of her father's, and had the car guy who no longer does this stuff. He's retired since then. She goes, "You can't can't get him to do it anymore." But you can't even get that you can't even get that paint anymore. Like you have
1: to because it is nitro, but it's so the lacquer is nitro. The paint itself is not.
0: Um, Yeah. So she took it to this this um, car guy that redid old cars like my uncle used to do. Back when he was still around and he did the blue spark paint and then he did the matching headstock which i thought was cool and then she had she had um uh the uh, shag like uh austin powers and because her name is shammy mm-hmm. uh shamey and uh, i'm sure her name is amy or something but anyway she Shammy, and so that's her stage name and she did all this stuff to it I, and um replaced everything i mean she modded this thing in an inch of its life the point is she took a she took a 200 guitar or whatever it is (laughs) i think she paid like a 100 bucks for it or something and then modded it to an inch of its life and now it's this beautiful thing that's all hers but you never think to yourself if i if i was her i never have to wonder can i get can i get my money back out of guitar sure i can i take all the crap off it and sell Sell the body of the neck.
1: Yes, yeah, sell the parts for $100 a hundred
0: bucks. Take it while And sell the parts. So, if I had to do it. Yeah. But that's her guitar from her first albums and stuff like that. Right, so, right,
1: right.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really cool to see that. Um, and now she's got um a custom one made by uh, you know, one of those builders, not Jeff Sen, but somebody like that. Um, but uh a really smaller scale. She goes, I'm five two and it still feels big. The Jaguar does. Um so and Jaguars are big. Anybody who's played one knows that a Jaguar is actually big. Um so um but anyway, my point is that if I was to buy a cheap guitar like that, if I was to go to Groat or Sawtooth or somebody like that, that would be like you just said for the wood. Uh like you're doing with the Shangzai. You've replaced what? You've replaced the pickups, you've replaced the the pickups have come um, out, uh the tuners yep. are new. Um
1: yep. I still have to do the bridge.
0: Yep. I don't know if I'm going to bother. I mean, I,
1: I I've gone back and forth on it, um. So I don't know whether I'm going to, uh, whether I'm even going to bother replacing it. Yeah.
0: Now, did you um, do the um the pots and the-
1: uh? Yeah, the electronics were all redone when I installed the new pickups. Uh, I have a new switch sitting here in the cup in front of me, um, yep. that needs to get replaced because the existing one is is shorting out. Um. Yeah. It's just, if I dump the bridge in it, it's another 200 bucks. Um, cause I would put, I would put a Tone Pros locking bridge on there. And, um, I mean, it's just, I have to decide whether it's actually worth it. I'm, I'm actually, so one of the guitars I'm going to look at when I, when I go to buy them, start looking at Les Paul standards. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to have to make a decision about whether that makes sense for me. Um. Just because I have, you know, I have a Strat. I have, I'm, I, I. The, it's probably more likely that I'll end up with another Strat, a second one, than anything else. But, mm-hmm. and if I do, it'll probably be a really high end Strat from somebody. It'll be like a an Anderson, right? Something like that. But sure I just, sure. and I'll probably not Sir. Um, if I'm gonna, oh. if I'm gonna spend, I'm gonna spend in the right place. Um, Anderson, Guitar Works. Like I, my gut reaction to them was like, "Holy crap, that's expensive!" But I kind of come back around on it in a little way, you know. So it's like, yeah, I'd have to move a lot of stuff to make that happen, but it might be worth it, um, especially because I want to share something. So most of this podcast, I've been like dabbling in digital gear. Right, I had uh, I had the Kemper for a while, I had the Helix for a while, and um, I gigged both of those. And then I I actually used a katana once in a gig and like I've had this Mark Five Twenty Five the entire time we've done the show I've never actually played with in the band situation I've played it with like other guitar players but never with a full band and yesterday we had a rehearsal and uh, since I don't have a camper right now I had to bring my amp so I brought my one x twelve Lone Star cab my Mark Five Twenty Five my pedal board and my guitar and my Captor X and. It was really cool cuz I had the capture X on the middle position so my the, my volume was like I was in complete control. We were playing in a garage with the doors open. And uh, yeah. so I could I could get super loud and that helped me with that. But my god the tone man, holy hell. I like what I've been missing for all this time like was just right there in palm of my hand. I had it on the clean channel, uh the fat mode, basically knobs at noon and uh the, the five band was tweaked with a little bit of extra treble and plenty of mids and stuff. And, like, I was using the King of Tone for my lead boost. And I was I was in heaven the whole time. I was like, what am I doing wrong? Uh, actually, the cool part was, I had this guy, the uh, Boss Wireless, which had broken, I thought. More on this in a second. Um, and I was using this. I was walking around the room, and I could hear, you know, like, you know, out in the, because uh, I could walk down to the end of the driveway, even. And I could hear my playing, and I was like, holy
0: crap.
1: I mean, it sounds like crap standing right on top of the amp, but, like, if you're in the audience, Jesus. I mean, it just sounded so good. Like, it was just nuts. Um, I, I, It was a religious experience. Um, so, this guy, this is the boss, what, WL20 or whatever, the box is here somewhere, um, wireless system that I had, and I said that it burned burn out. And I want to give them a fair shake at this. So I was going to actually send this back to them. Um, now, when I... I'm in tech. So when I knew this thing wasn't charging, I tried three different cables. None of them worked. I tried to get an RMA. And then I was like, I'm not going to send this back in because it's only a $180 item. Like, they're going to charge more repair than it's worth. And then I was like, you know what? Hell with it. I'm, tra- I'm sending it in. I'm getting it repaired. And then it was COVID, and they couldn't. I couldn't get an RMA number, and so then, like the other day, I was like, you know, I need to get this taken care of. So I went to go open the RMA. i like, took it out of the box, and I was like, I better just plug this in and make sure it doesn't charge. Brand new cable from Amazon. You know, this thing charged. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it works great now. I'm so mad. I'm so mad. For like
0: two years, that thing sat in the box. So yeah. mad. I. You know. You were talking about your your tone and that openness i I know I've done it before I've said it before I'm going to say it again i I put the twin reverb on 85 watts I put the volume up at six and I just lightly that's the thing and I heard and I want to talk to that because then Brent Mason in an interview with Premier guitar, I think, or Zach uh, from Two uh, Tone Lab. One of the two, he said this same exact thing. I played with that thing cranked. My volume rolled back just a little on my guitar. Now, yes, was it loud? It was loud. But let me tell you something it is just what you were talking about. It is, oh, it's a religious experience. I took my Marshall. And I pushed the volume on the the channel to nine, and I put the master to ten. I pushed that or i'm sorry nine o'clock or no three o'clock sorry on the the um volume gain only about um what is that on o'clock? ten o'clock yeah um and the master all the way up. The uh, EQ pretty much across the board presence everything at right there. Let me tell you something, and I hit a chord on that, and you just, just lightly. And this is the thing that Brett Mason was talking about. He said, he said it's a different playing experience when you do that, and when you can do that. And what it is, and 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 that's what I I wasn't able to like articulate myself. Is when you play with the amp up and you lightly hit you. You have to control more. Um, Mason said the same thing. You've got to think about your your because uh, every pick noise is heard. Everything you do is heard because it's it's out there. It's yeah. It's not compression, folks. It's just pure freaking volume. But you. It's it's a different playing experience. It's a completely different playing experience. I'll just say that, and yet, me even as a, a, a me, and I'm not com- I'm not as confident as some people should should be at my age and playing experience. I was ten times better, and I've noticed that when I get on stage with people who are playing at these kinds of volumes, that I can I can rip it. And I never feel as comfortable with everything turned out.
1: All Go right. Ahead. So I think, we're, I think we're probably describing things differently because cause like, so like I didn't, I wasn't even loud, but the way I had my amp set up was like everything was just warm. And it was like, um, there wasn't, so I was just warm. I'm trying to think of a tone that would be similar. Like it was kind of brown sound. I didn't really have a lot of trouble coming out of the amp at all, really. In fact, Ooh. I went over to the five band and I actually pushed the treble slider up, which is unheard of for me. Mine's usually at neutral all the time. Um, but I was playing, you know, in in the right setting. It was open doors, so there was not really a whole lot of reverberation going around. And the way that I fit with the band was really good. The new the the bass player's got a new amp. He's got an SVT. No, Well oh, okay. Um, we'll say the amp egg. But he's got a new bass amp, and it and it's. It's good. It's a you know, one by fifteen tilt back combo. Big amp. Um and uh so it was just like we weren't stepping on each other's toes. I know it was his low mids were dialed back, mine were that's where I sit is in the low mids. So it was um I need to definitely crank the treble up a little bit more for the gig, but um I think that'll be balanced because uh the, the captor X will put out more treble than I do on the stage. Um and it will fill out the venue nicely. But uh it was yeah, I, I kind of kicked myself because I'm like, I know I could do I could do those sounds with the Kemper, but they weren't as rich. And that's where I was talking about like the religious experience, like when you realize, man, I can hear every freaking harmonic in perfect clarity at this angle standing over here. And it wasn't it wasn't the same when I was standing right in front of the amp. It definitely wasn't. I was like, ah, it's a loud guitar. Like, that's <laughs> gonna but as soon as I stepped away from it and I could hear the speaker hitting me. And that's it's that C ninety speaker in that and that Lone Star man. That cabinet is like, I I don't know. Um, I love those speakers and that. So apparently those those speakers are based on the Lead eighty that was in the JCM eight hundred, the original JCM eight hundred caps because it's not the Lead eighty they do now. Yeah. Um, they they sound sort of similar, but these are definitely different than the current lead eighty. <laughs> Uh, I love these speakers. I cannot get enough of them. And my Fillmore has one in it too. So I'll have three of them. I need one more and I can buy a 412.
0: There you go. (laughs) Well, you know, again, when I, what I'm talking about is I'm not playing, I'm playing with the amp loud and then dialing myself back and learning how, or, or not learning, but controlling what I'm doing. And I just mean that it's a, it's a, it's a different touch it's a different uh, I, you know I always told you I have a light touch right and uh um it it responds <laughs> I see what you're doing it responds well to um you know the way that I'm you know going back and forth um and i feel i feel the the equipment breathing with me um that it, it, It's a great experience It's a, it, it's just something that um, I don't I know you can't get it out of a spark Because I can crank a spark And yeah. I'm not going to get that out of there And as much as I love the katanas I'm not going to get that out of a katana There's just something about An amp that really responds And really um, uh, You know I
1: Totally understand what you're talking about, and it's you're talking about the uh, the responsiveness of an amp that's just loud and clean versus,
0: uh, bless you, loud and proud, right? Rather than bless you again, rather I think than you got some on me that time. Yeah, I know it's ridiculous,
1: <laughs> man. Uh, my allergies are just going nuts here. The last twenty minutes, <laughs> David just gave me a, a computer virus. I'm just kidding. Loud and proud. Right. Yep. Yep. And um, what I mean by that it's like people bitch because they're like the Dumble thing is like the um the amp that tells on you, right? Because so when you roll back your volume up, you're literally rolling back volume and you're stepping back in the mix. And for a lot of people, they're not comfortable being out in front, like where they have 3D big a gain over the rest of the band, right? Um, yep. you really got to kind of get yourself into that that mindset, and that's where I live. Like, I've always been the sole guitar player. I've always, you know. So for me, when I dip back, like, I have this moment where I'm like, well, hell, I don't really even have to do anything. Like, half the time when I play with Old Stumpy, and I know people can tell, but um, when I'm playing Old Stumpy tunes, it's all covers, and it's always root, third, fifth. And like, I'll play the root all the way through the progression and nobody will notice. You know, because I'm just like, I'm quiet enough that it's not really that big a deal. Um, and then sometimes like I'll make a mistake here or there, or, like I'll shift to the wrong chord or I'll do it at the wrong time. And it's, it's def or uh, I said root re- third fifth. My it was uh, re- uh one, four, five. Um, yeah, and we just go through these like moments where you're, <laughs> where you're playing this stuff and you're like, God, like nobody can even hear me. And it's just like, it's like totally liberating. I could just stand there and just like plink, you know, single notes and that's what I do most yeah. of the time, because I'm yeah, like I'm just in this I'm just in this place where I don't really have to step out. Then he calls a solo, and I'm like not paying attention, and and yeah. I, that that's the that's where I get my ass handed to me because I'm like oh shit what key is this like I I forgot, yeah. um or or in in some cases like now that I'm getting to think more modally I'm like what mode is this because I'm like I can use other things, um of course not anything is one three one three or one four or five but um right anyway um but yeah like it's i understand the experience because because that's i'm the opposite side so like i know what it's like to roll back and sit back in the mix and and oh yeah you play better when you're sitting back in the mix too because like to an extent you're like i'm not as loud and proud like i don't have to be as it's not as uncomfortable do you know what i mean right um so for what it's worth
0: it's yeah, it's two different things. I mean, um, I, first of all, there's nothing wrong with that. That that is actually an important thing. I was just uh, I saw a friend's band over the weekend, and um, his league league guitar player, um, my friend was playing rhythm, and his quote unquote lead guitar player, once he got the very first song and the very first solo and the first time he uh turned it up he never came back and so the whole time the voice is like this here's the voice it's like an asmr and he's like "Hmm, and, and it's like okay but now i can't hear the vocals and this is a small place it has terribly hard floors it's got a high ceiling at least um, but hard walls, hard floors, glass, everything's bouncing around. Um, those are things you've got to, you've got to think about when you're a guitar player. He just stood there proud as he could be. Look at me. And, and the thing that really took me off is how he was barely in tune. He had two tuners. He had a, he had a tuner on his headstock and he had a tuner his feet. You ever know a person that has two tuners. But doesn't use and it's either of them. still not in tune. <laughs> not even close. But they don't use either of them. Right. <laughs> and, it, and it's like, I'm looking at him going. And so the headstock tuner is there. He's got the tuner for. And he tuned a couple times. But the whole time I'm thinking, you know, you could back off. Let the guy that's playing rhythm be heard once in a while. And sing loud enough that we can hear him and you could tune your frigging guitar and then come back, at least in tune. And um, But he was so proud of it. I don't think he was aware of the fact that he wasn't even in the same damn sonic space. There were a few times he was playing a different rhythm than everybody else. And see, that's when you, you should know and need be aware that you need to be a part of a band. And that, that thing you were talking about where you're coming back, you're sitting back, that's an important that's just as important as getting out there because if you're always out in front, unless you're in you're the only guitar player, uh, Anthony Rosano, which by the time people have yeah, that, that heard this the episode, though, I mean, he's that kind of guy he's the he's the <clears> one <throat> guitar player. And so when he steps forward into a solo, completely different way of doing things, his band shifts and moves into that sonic space and make sure it's filled so it still sounds like they've got a rhythm and when he goes out of that solo thing and he's singing he knows he takes his guitar back and Mm -hmm. and good players and you're one of them know how to go back and forth and make that shift between being in front Uh, being behind i'm still learning it because because
1: like the high school band that i was in for a while and then of course i had that period where i didn't do anything a really long time um I never learned sonic space. I didn't learn that until I started sitting in with. Uh, there's a local cover band that I'm, I'm friends with that that I would sit in with them every once in a while, and like the first time I got done that the uh, because they're they're I'm mean, they're older guys they're they're your age or older. One of the guy that the singer and and band leader comes up to me he goes he goes you you are so good at doing this but he's but he said man you suck at rhythm <laughs> and. And he's like, At he's like, he honest. he's like, next time you come, he's like, he's like, just lay back. He's like, when well, vocals are going on, he's like, I'm doing these other things. He's like, don't try to spice it up. Just, just lay back and like. So I got some tutelage from doing that because it was like, oh, I'm not supposed because like in my old paradigm, it was a, it, for for one thing it was instrumental rock. So if I wasn't doing that, there wasn't anything going on, you know. Whereas in this situation it was like very much i was not you know i was a soloist and a, and a future performer but it was like don't overplay you know and um actually when we did that one gig with the uh, the the piano player um uh in the city at uh, senior frogs i think it was that's when i realized like i had figured it out at that point cuz he he wasn't ticked off uh <laughs> so i was like oh well, i must be doing something right and I, I don't have it completely figured out, but like definitely understand what my role is a lot better now because I'm playing in a covers band and like there's, and, and, and Kyle didn't have to explain it to me. Like I knew going into that, this is the expectation, but it's, but it is an experience because when I'm doing my solo stuff, like I could just go off and it doesn't matter. Um, whereas if, you know, and, and the audience never knows anyway, cause it's all original music, but, um. When I'm in, you know, playing the weight, you know, I, I really have to make sure I'm sticking to the format and not putting solos where Kyle doesn't want them so that the vocals aren't being stomped on. And he's he's incorporating harmonica in it now, too, which makes it even more of a challenge. Because, like, normally I would just fill in all the solos because we didn't have another soloist. And now it's like, is Kyle taking this one or am I taking this one? So a lot of times what I'll do is I'll just I'll just sprinkle some notes in there that are not really, like, they're not meant to be featured. And then if he doesn't mm-hmm. start playing harmonica, then I then I take off. You know, it's like I'm just being real careful about how I want this to work. And yeah. um,
0: well, it, it's funny that you mentioned that the the um, the person that I was talking about, I noticed that when they were when they were starting to drift musically, um, rhythmically, the drummer would smack his stare. And I said at the end of the night, I said, "You notice your drummer was smacking his stare, right?" He goes. Yeah, I noticed that. I don't know why he did that. I said, he was trying to get you idiots to come back to where he was. Yeah. He was saying, This is one. (laughs) This is one. This is one. (laughs) Kick him into the (laughs) pit. And and he goes, Oh. And I said, Yeah. And the drummer left. The drummer was so mad because he had to do that so much. I said, I said, man, he wasn't happy. And uh I could tell, um, and the drummer did. He quit, he quit the band because it was like Pink Floyd was saying. And the band you're we in starts playing different tunes. I mean, it, the the rhythm, the 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 lead guitar player was playing his own way. And my friend, you know, I, I really like him, but I said to him, I was very straightforward. I said, "Look, you're not playing solo. and You have a tendency to over sing." So. It's not ah, ah, ah. it's uh ah, that's it. You don't get to sing the extra syllables and you don't get more time and you don't get to pull and ebb and push. You don't get that much ebb and push. Not when you're in a band. You only have a certain amount of space that you can move in. Right. And uh um I said when your drummer's telling you to come back to him, he means come back to him. He doesn't mean and the bass player was, I don't know what the hell he was doing. So, the the um the whole thing was a cacophony. I, I I tried to tell him some, but I had told him before. I said, "You've got to learn how to sing, in the pocket. Singing in the pocket is just as important." And I wanna and I want to move that. I want to segue to another gear thing before we leave. Yeah, it's got to do with singing. So we have as musicians and 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 fans of music a million times over said sick and tired of fakery. And one of those fakeries is singers who use pitch correction. Right.
1: I mean, I I think uh, I'm going to have a different take on this, but we'll go ahead.
0: All right. No, I think I think your take will be similar, but I'm going to move it to gear. So my take is going to completely leave the, leave that. Um, there are people who've pitch correct not just vocals, guitar parts, bass parts. Which is harder to quantity. do which is harder to
1: do live. Like you can't you can't really pitch correct guitar live. I mean that's just not no. a thing.
0: Yeah. But in recordings you can, right. As long as it's not chords. But here's, yep. But here's my thing. So I was I was thinking about the fact that all these guitarists are like, Well, that's not the way it was, and that's not the way this was. So and I was watching a Murphy Labs thing. And I nothing against the Murphy Lab folks. I have a Gibson diehard, Gibson lover, true and true. Obviously. But yeah, there's one Fender headstock sitting right here. I was going to embarrass you further, but I figured. <laughs> um, and there's a PRS right there. But um, actually, there's another Fender headstock. Whoops, the wonder it went the wrong way. Right there. Um here's here's my thing so uh when it comes to it's not just Murphy Labs. this is C- fender custom shop this is sure this is how anybody that does this and that's fakes the aging process and fakes the whole wear process which I don't have any problem with I need you to I, I need people to understand that I believe that you should do whatever the heck you want to do right but here's what I'm saying that Everybody's all up in arms about oh this is fakery and that's fakery and this is fake. Well, saying that your your guitar is a fifty-nine um or a sixty-four or a you know whatever, 32, uh 32 Martin D eighteen or whatever, I I just find it a little bit disingenuous as well. You know, I understand the, the worn in neck and I get the worn-in feel on the fretboard, and I understand this It's probably the most... Look, this part and this part, these are the things that come in contact with that guitar every single play. And of course, your stomach does. Some of us have a little more than others. Uh, yeah, clearly. I'm trying, trying.
1: I was making fun of myself. but okay. Oh, well,
0: I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm just as... I'm deprecating as well as anybody else. Self-deprecation is my middle name. But um here's the thing, and that's probably why I like Gibsons as much as I do most Gibsons, because of that contoured feel right here. I love that feel. But anyway, because I'm a fatty. No. But um the the fact is, and this is where I'm where I'm going with that, I get all that. I I understand I that's why I haven't bonded with a telecaster. I can't find a neck that doesn't feel like glue to my hand. You know what I mean? Um so I I get that I would want to sand that neck to within an inch of its life, <clears throat> which is why I want to get a cheap thing and probably I'll probably do what you recommended and just get warm with parts and put one together because I just don't care. Um about it needing a fender. It doesn't need to say fender on the headstock. It can say wooded original on the headstock. It can say nothing. Say. Yeah, or nothing. Exactly. Um and the The fact is, I don't know why, but Gibson's when I play them the the back of the neck feels fine, and they're both finished. It doesn't make any sense. They're both nitro. It doesn't make any sense. Not to me, I'm not very smart. i don't I don't spray nitro. I don't know. But here's the thing that I do know. I don't understand people who go out of the way to get cracked lacquer and you know, rusty looking parts and you know all this other stuff paying a ton of money. To make it look and feel like a hundred years old, I get the feel, don't get the look, and so I'll get I'll get to this, and that is that if we're so worried about being and and please don't take the authentic thing and throw me at me with Gibson. I'm talking about being authentic <laughs> as in being an authentic musician and being authentic as in I'm a player and I'm playing my instrument. The same people that go, oh man. I love the look of the cracked lacquer and the rusty knob and the, um, you know the the, the way that the chrome is. Uh, th- literally, you could buy a set of antiquities. It got me thinking about this when you buy the antiquities. You can buy antiquities, and the antiquities already have the lines in them, from where the, the thing. I'm like, that's an extra thirty dollars to get a piece of chrome with lines scratched into them. Seriously, um, no, you keep that, and. And that's my point. Those things don't add to the to the playability of the guitar. They just don't. A rusty-looking knob or, you know, those type of things. I don't get it. I just don't get it. But they're the same exact people that I don't care if it's a Fender or Gibson or whatever. that will look at a minute detail of a brand new one and they'll go, oh, look at that. They missed this spot. They missed a the spot. But I... I don't know. I, I, I just wanted to vent there. I just don't get it.
1: All right. So on the side of the pitch correction thing, like I've seen local bands using uh, the TC Helicon Voice Live and things like that, um, yep. and using pitch correction, and like you can tell when it's on. I mean, I, let's let's be real. Like if you're a musician, you you pretty much know. Um, yeah. But but here's the here's the thing. The bands I see using it. They're generally not bands that like are vocal focused. They're more, you know, it's like a bar band where, you know, the guitar player has to sing, you know, and it's like, I really don't want to sing, but I'll do it. So they get the, the voice live out and uh, muddle through it or whatever, however you want to describe that. I think in those scenarios, I think it's fine. Uh, it's It's when you get into a situation where somebody's passing it off as talent. Where it's like, yeah, take for example, the, the singer that plays guitar, who's using pitch correction. You know what I mean? Like, if he's not very good at the guitar, and then he's using pitch correction, you're kind of like, well, what the hell's going on here? Um, and I've definitely seen that, too. So, I kind of, when I see people roll out the TC Elecon, like the voice live, when I see it on somebody's board, I'm kind of like, oh, here we go. <laughs> you know, like, which is it, which is it going to be? <laughs> Um, but I think that's my preconceived notion I bring to the table, and I think there are definitely, like, situations where if you're singing a song that's in, like, a high register of your key, like, what you can normally sing in your highest registers, you can use it to spruce it up, and it's not super noticeable. Um, I've definitely seen situations where people are, like, you know, pitch shifting up an octave and stuff, because it's like, what the hell are you thinking? Um... But as far as like the relic guitar thing goes, it, it for me, like I used to think it was all about um it was all about all about uh playability. Like if I was gonna buy a relic, it was gonna be because it'd be more playable and it more comfortable. But as I gotten older, like I there is an aesthetic appeal to it, especially if you're getting a guitar like an Anderson. Um because there aren't any vintage Andersons. Right? And if you want a guitar that's like gonna stand in for a vintage fender and you're buying an Anderson, like, it depends on your gig, you know what I mean? Like, if you're the blues guy and you come out with a brand new guitar, that's kind of uncool now, right now. And I think that's part of the reason why those guitars exist is because there are certain situations where it's uncool to play a brand new, beautiful looking instrument. Um, and unfortunately, there are enough professionals in this world, not unfortunately, but there are enough professionals in this world who realize, like, it's I gotta have the, I gotta have the look that it becomes important.
0: Yeah. Does it make sense? Yep. I I just again it's not that I'm got anything against it. I, I certainly don't. I just don't get it. I I don't get it because the same people talk about other stuff and they're like, Well, there's this minute. Well, thing. we and talked like- about
1: it in the last episode before the before the Anthony Rosano interview. We talked yeah. about how Gibson is a target. And people look at Gibson and they go, It's the boomer brand or whatever. It doesn't represent my generation and it becomes the target. So even though do you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's counterintuitive. Yeah. Um I want relic guitars, but not those. You know, I'm after the vintage thing, but only when it suits me. Um, and yep. I really don't... I mean, so like, so like, let's go back. Let's talk about the first relics, the first real relic guitars that became popular. And this is probably the 59, 59 fakes. Um, but the first production ones were Fenders and they were built for, I believe... They were all built based on Keith Richards' telly. Um, that was the first time that they like did a run of guitars for, for somebody that was like, he's like, I don't want him to look new, like what the hell are you doing? So they so they beat him up. Um and that was the like in my mind, that's the proper market for this. Keith is not gonna go on stage with a brand new telecaster. Like that's not the Keith Richards image, and so that visual aesthetic of that gig is beat up Telecasters. Um, whereas, like, if you're in an '80s hair metal band, you're not going on stage with a with a beat up '59 Strat, alike. You know, you want a neon pink Kramer. <laughs> you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just a whole Steel Panther would never play. You know, a super reliced out like. 57 Strat, they're going to play an 80s guitar of some sort. Um, And that's what I'm getting at. Like, There are definitely professional situations where that should exist, but I think it's caught on in the mainstream. It's like, well, I can't afford the vintage one, but I can get this knockoff. And the funny part we've already talked about on the show is that the knockoffs are as much as the vintage ones. Like, $5,000 for for a uh, custom shop like Relic 57, strat or not 57, like a 62 or a 63. You can buy a 62 or a 63 for like seven grand. If you look around, if you hunt, and yeah, you might question the pedigree. It might have some replacement parts, but the reality is that's the real deal, right? And you just bought a forgery for a $1,000 less? What sense does that make? You know, right. it, 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 I, I get it. I mean, I like, I, I understand it. But there are some people that are like, no, I want an American Standard Strat. I want the modern guitar, but I want it to look like it's been through a war. Because they want all the features and play. Because people forget, you know, those vintage guitars, they have seven and a quarter inch radiuses. They have, you know, six point vintage bridges. They have, you know, it's like, they're they're not ideal. Despite what people will tell you, they're not ideal. And, And in fact, most of the people I know who have owned vintage guitars like that, have had these kind of like realization moments where it's like, yeah, it doesn't stay in tune the way it probably should, because it doesn't have any of the modern amenities. Or it doesn't have the original strat bridge on it because that was the one where they got the angles right. And yep. they're not perfect. I mean, people are people are clamoring, Jim, you know this, for for 70 strats right now. Why? I mean, that's
0: that's the situation where I'm still like. Why? They weren't good before. I mean, there were a few but just because it's a seventies strat does not mean it's good.
1: No, but you know there I mean? but it's like but it's like I want to own a piece of history kind of deal. Yeah. And like I can't buy a sixties one. So I'll buy, strat. you know, a seventy-seven. And it's like Yep It's not the same thing. You know, you and I know like it's there there's really this is not and it's just I think a lot of it's just chasing the cool, man. I think it's like people chasing trying to a, tr- a particular image or a particular attitude about something. I mean, look, we, we've got, I mean, guitar heroes on stage these days that play these kind of, like, relic custom shop guitars. John Mayer, yeah. several of his famous, like, relic guitars, despite the fact that he could afford the real deal and owns the real deal, are custom shop relics. Why? Probably because there's some modern playing amenities that he likes about them. You know what I mean, like, yeah. and 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 that's okay. And, and then, so for the aesthetic thing, like, it's a, it's aesthetics. If somebody likes the look of a rusty bridge because they think it looks, you know, I don't know, it's just more power to them. It's like people buying rat rods. We see rat rods going for as much as you know a, a Honda Civic at your local dealership. The rat rod's going to fall apart, and it needs constant attention. You you know what I mean? Like, it just seems nuts, but. They think the rat rod's cooler. So, more power to them. That's their money. They can do what they want. Maybe it's not sound, you know, sound logic driving that conversation, decision-making, but, you know, it is what it is, I guess. Um, I'm not going to fault them. I I have kind of gone back and forth on relics during the time period of this show. I've looked at relics and been like, you know, I kind of wouldn't mind having a relic body. Um, I think there are definitely situations where it looks really cool, especially if you get something like a paisley underneath another color and that kind of thing. Like that's, that's unique. And, um, that's kind of why I'm like, yeah, I get it. I was looking to have an MJT do me a relic, you know, a body. Turns out they can't do what I want, so we're not going to do that. But, um, I don't, I just, uh, the, the fret, the fret thing. Like I have seen where guitars will have relic frets with like flat frets and stuff, and I'm like, no, no, guys, I don't want to play. I don't want to play railroad ties, you know, <laughs> like flat all across the board. It's like like playing a fretless. Um, yep. No, that's not for me. That's not my thing. I want I want new frets. Like that's and that may be part of the part of the conversation processor on relics too, is. <laughs> If you get if you buy a um a fifty seven strat, right, and the frets are worn down and you replace them, you just took a thousand dollars out of the value of your guitar. So like for those guys having the custom shop, I can get a, a fifty seven that plays good. Um kind of thing is important. And I'm sure that probably weighs into that some of that decision making process. I
0: would um, think
1: but you know, like a bridge that's all rusty i don't I don't get the like the anything more than aesthetic value there, but I'm sure to some people like there's you know it's gotta have rust on it because it holds the saddles in place better <laughs> i don't know i i can't I can't pretend to understand all of it. The guitars I play the guitars I covet they're not. I mean, other than the 61 Strat or the 62 Strat, like, that, that time period, um, I don't really... I don't really covet things that are, like, expensive. Um, my G&Ls, like, the same hardware that's on them has been on them since the early 90s. And it's basically the same hardware. Um, so, I... I, I haven't seen a Relic g and <laughs> because they were all done with Poly, I think.
0: So, well... All right, so let me ask you this: um, you're, you you went over that. What what would be other than other than uh, a look? What would be the upside of having? Can you think of anything outside of an aesthetic of having cracked nitro, poly, whatever? You're uh, talking the,
1: about. Are you talking about checking? Well, I would never buy a Gibson Murphy custom shop uh with checking because their checking is horrible. It does not look real. It looks like somebody literally took this guy and just went yeah right across the uh the body um and I, do- I don't really particularly like the fe- the way the Fender custom shop does it either. I think the only way to get that for real is to um take a guitar basically put it in a cold environment and then bring it into a warm environment and do it multiple times. Um, I think the checking thing is like badge of honor, tiger stripes. That's the way people look at it. Um, This guitar has been through hell. Like that's why people like checking. It's an aesthetic. It is a purely aesthetic thing. There's nothing about checking that makes it um, functionally better. It doesn't help the body breathe. If anything, it allows moisture into the body which would be a real problem. Um, And I think it's more or less just people coveting the idea that like most of the old guitars checked and it is definitely a way to tell if your guitar is nitro because poly won't check. Um, If you ever see a poly relic with checking, they're done with a razor blade and they look ridiculous. They look, they look like Gibson custom shop. Uh, The problem with Gibson custom shop is they cut too deep. Like if you're going to, if you're going to check with the razor blade, it can be done. Vendor does it and it's passable um, but like if you've ever played an actual vintage guitar with checking all over it it's different. It's not the same as like hey I'm gonna cut it with a razor blade if you've ever cut anything with a razor blade you know it goes into the wood it goes through the finish and that's sort of what the Gibsons <laughs> look like the ones that I've seen anyway um, and you can see a bunch of those on Trogly's channel he, he talks about it all the time but um, yep, I've seen him in person too. In fact I played an SG Standard. Gosh, I don't know what reissue it was, but it was a Gibson Custom Shop at Chicago Music Exchange that was checked all to hell. And it looked hilariously bad. And they wanted like 6000 bucks, I think, for that guitar. 5000 6000 And I was like, you're kidding, right? Because then I looked and there's a Nash. Like a, like a Nash blue Stratocaster, like Placid Blue. And it was like, it was gorgeous, and it looked right. You know, I still Nash. Obviously, Nash's are not vintage, but it looked right, at least. You know the other company yeah. that get them right? And I'm gonna probably catch hell from some of the people at good time on this, but um, Friedman. The Grover Jacksons that Friedman is putting out under their name, like, which, by the way, Grover Jackson's apparently retiring, I hear. So, if you want a Grover Jackson guitar, get a Friedman now. Um, they're their checking looks great and their wear pattern is consistent with, you know, where you're, we're going to wear them and they're very, very comfortable guitars. Um, yeah. but the checking is done tastefully. It is not done with a giant razor blade and it looks realistic and it's not so like it, but it's all about the look. It is not about, um, it is not about any sort of functional benefit. So it, for what it's worth, the checking thing is, strange i've never understood the obsession with that because not all vintage guitars are checked either um but i will say they're probably more checked vintage guitars than there are not checked vintage guitars if you've ever dabbled with 60s gibsons and stuff uh all of the um vintage gibsons i've played have been pretty pretty well like at least around the headstock or something there's some area where it got got exposed to some element at some point in its lifetime and I've heard, um, I've heard tales of Gibson's getting checked because I don't think the modern ones do it because they have a they have a in the finish along with the nitro, but um, the vintage ones at least used to be able to, uh, like, even if you put them in a case, it's like, oh well, the case holds heat, right? Like it's supposed to help them. I've heard you can get them checked in the case while you're carrying them around in the cold. So,
0: God. the case can only hold so much heat. It doesn't yeah. generate heat. That's like saying that your house would never get cold. Well, I'm saying, of- like, Close.
1: just going from the car to the house, like, get, after a gig, you know, come from the warm car into the cold house and, and crossing the driveway. <laughs> like, people have reported that their vintage Gibson's checked that way. Like, I've heard that before, where people are like, yeah, it, I you know, it's possible." It just it just stacks up over time. And, like, you get a tiny little, you know, microscopic thing that eventually grows. Kind of okay. like a pothole. Um, yeah. So... I don't know. I'm not an. I'm not an expert on vintage guitars. I will. I will freely admit my opinions nope. do not reflect the opinions of experts. Uh, I will say that I have played quite a few, probably more than people that live in rural areas because I've had access to them in the city. Um, but I will say that I am not an expert. Um, we have had experts on the show. We've had people that have legitimate vintage collections with plenty of pieces. Um, who could who could comment on that a little bit more? But I don't think there's any functional benefit to having checking. I think you're absolutely right on that. I think by asking the question, you imply that there's no functional reason for it, and there and, right. there, and there isn't one. Um, right.
0: I can't I can't see it. Not that there's anything. Again, there's not that there's a. You do what you want to do. Or you want to put a sticker on it.
1: Says, so the, sti- uh, the sticker thing I, kind of bothers me. Um, Nick Bonger's just got a a 70s Les Paul Custom with a sticker on it. And it's a Kiss sticker. And it's hilarious. Because it covers like... It's a bumper sticker. It covers like half the guitar, right? And somebody made the comment like, why don't you pull that off? And he's like, because it'll be all discolored underneath anyway. And it's funny because, you know, Kiss plays... He plays in the Kiss cover band. So it's like, why would he pull it off? So it kind of fits, right? I mean, uh, who cares? Yeah, because
0: if there's ever anybody that's going to play... A guitar with the bumper sticker of their own band on it. It's Kiss. Yeah. I mean, come I, on. Like, yeah, they would definitely they would definitely do that. Now was it on the back of the guitar? No, the it's front? on the front. Yeah, there you go. It's above the pickups. Loud and crowd. Yeah, it's above
1: the pickups right in the right in the and I told so I actually commented I said, Hell, pull it off. Who cares if it's discolored? Like it's a guitar from the seventies. Like it's not gonna be pristine and perfect. And quite frankly, I, I wouldn't be surprised that the that the sticker wasn't airtight, and so underneath may be discolored, because actually, the, a lot of the discoloration on white Les Paul, because I think it's white. I don't know. It might be black, but I think a lot of the discoloration at least on white Les Paul Customs is actually from cigarette smoke, not from yeah. U- UV radiation. Right. So, what what is worth? I mean, you could just peel that sticker off, probably, and it's still going to be pretty damn yellow and creamy underneath there. Um, yep. I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't bat an eye in pulling the sticker off. I wouldn't give a shit. As long as the guitar well, plays good. Um and I believe that's a second Les Paul custom. So he's so and he's selling his other one, his other Les Paul's. He's got i s I'm not gonna talk about it because I don't want somebody else to buy it. Sorry, Nick. I'm not plugging that one because uh I would like to have that guitar, but uh I do not have the money you're asking for it right now, so that's not gonna happen. <laughs> I will not help you sell it. If you would like to sell it to someone, uh, that's fine. But uh, I'm not going to hook up the buyer because I I want that to go into my hands at some point. <laughs> I hope he doesn't sell it. I hope he sits on it for a while, and then I go over to his place, and it's there, and I'm like, "What do you want for it?" <laughs> let's go to an ATM, you know, like <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> let's let's make it. Let's make a deal. It's a '97 um, Les Paul Custom Plus. No, Les Paul Classic Plus. Les Paul standard plus. It's plus model. I like that. Which is just a just a nicer top.
0: It, honestly,
1: I yeah, don't care about that's the That's
0: exactly plus. all it is. Yeah, I don't that's care
1: about the, I don't care about the plus. I, I, and it does have a nice top on it. But it the guitar is just freaking great. It plays so damn good. Um Is he um, thinking about selling it? Yeah, it's listed. I'm like, I no. already reached out to him like, how much do you want for it? And uh can't afford it. So, I mean, if I could afford it, I would. My my mom, see, we were talking about it. My mom goes, "Why didn't you buy it?" And I said, "Because I'm an idiot." I'll ask, I'll
0: ask you the same question. Because I'm an idiot. Because I'm an idiot. That's why. If like you asked me with that one, <laughs> why haven't you bought it yet? Because sell I, another one. Listen, get that one. Listen, well, you're selling one, right? You're selling your uh, your uh, uh, Kiesel, maybe. The
1: one I'm selling is, uh, for sure, is the GNL Legacy, the Red Legacy okay. I have. That's that was the pickup mule we bought, and that's going. Um, the Kiesel probably is going, and okay. uh, if I sold the Kiesel, I'd need to make up about four or five hundred bucks. So, okay, um, no, probably a little bit more than that. But but reality is like, just. I'm not in a position where I can say I need to buy a Les Paul. And that's part of the issue. Like, I don't really know what I want to buy yet. And I'm afraid that even though I know the guitar is great, like, I'll wind up not diving with the Les Paul side of it. You know what I mean? And that's where I'm like, I'm really conflicted. I wish I had the kind of disposable income where I could be like, 2200 bucks ain't so bad. (laughs) Uh, Or, I don't I forget what he was, uh, what he was, he was selling it for, but like, $2,400 Twenty four hundred for standard right now, so I keep saying twenty two hundred, but um, you reach out to Nick, he'll give you the price. Um, but uh, don't buy it; <laughs> it's. I'll be mad. I'll be mad, and I'll feel bad. You'll make me feel bad, and nobody wants to make me feel bad, right? No, probably everybody's like. People are like, I'm sure there's some show listener out there right now. He's good as well. I was like. How much do I have to pay? <laughs> like, I, like, <laughs>
0: more power I have to, to you.
1: Laugh.
0: <laughs> yeah, I have to laugh because um, a person made the mistake of showing me um, a, a Facebook listing locally. <laughs> and you know how I am? I don't wait. Yeah. Like I don't you're wait. Like looking, you're like, you know what? Hell with this. Like, you don't want that? Okay.
1: I'll, I'll see you in an hour. Where are you going? Don't worry about it. <laughs>
0: Don't worry about it. Don't you worry about I'll it. I'll
1: tell you when I get back. <laughs> I, I, I've i never been a shark like that. Like, I've never even... I, it's like, I see stuff on Facebook. I don't think I've ever bought a guitar on like Facebook or Craigslist. Where it's like, oh, I saw it and I'm like, oh, I gotta have that. I gotta go get it right now. Um, I have done that in guitar stores before where I've gone home and I've been like, well, we gotta get some stuff together because I gotta trade some shit in. Um but like I've never done that in a situation where, you know, um I was racing other people. Right. <laughs> anyway. I mean we we're at an hour well, and we're at two hours, man. Let's let's call. It. Hours. I've been David. I've been Jim. And, and tonight we've been practical guitarists. Cue the music.